This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So we've been um, discussing this teaching from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and my portion has been, uh, you know, treasures in heaven, trying to help us to understand what what true treasures are. And they're not treasures of this earth that that where moth and rust can corrupt, but they're they're truly treasures in heaven where where moth and rust, they're not able to corrupt. And for the sake of time tonight, I'm not going to go through all of the uh, the review. Um, listen back, listen back on the program. We're gonna, I'm going to give you some of the, the some of the, the key items. Now, listen. I, I understand that um, you all have had, have had your day. You, you've uh, you've done whatever you've done, and but now now it's God's time. Now now it's God's time. Just settle everything else. Settle everything else down. Now now it's God's time. We said that the kingdom is where the king has his, his reign and his rule. The kingdom is, is the place where the king has power. We said that natural kingdoms, they're bounded by geography, that they're bounded by, by time. But the, the kingdom of God, that it's, it, it's in our hearts. It's, it's, it's not bounded by any geography. It's not bounded by any time. Because our God is, is a limitless God. Our God is, is all in all. There, there's no height that we can go where He's not there. There's no depth that we, can be, that we can fall to that He's not there. We said that the kingdom is it's, it's, it's now. And it's in the future. It's, it's now because we are finite. And so in the limited time that we have, and the limited understanding that we have. The Lord wants to be, He wants to have reign and He wants to have rule in our hearts. He wants to have reign and He wants to have rule in our hearts. There will come a time, those that continue to believe on the Lord, there will come a time when we will know the kingdom without end, where this corruptible will take on incorruption where this mortal will take on immortality. And we will see him face to face. We're going to see him as he is. I love how how in the Old Testament it tells us that that, that Moses, he asked the Lord to to see his face and to see his glory. And and, and the Lord said that, you know, to look on me in in your current condition, you're not able to bear it. But he gave him a, a, a glimpse of his past glories. And from that, we get an understanding of how the Lord formed the worlds, of how God made man from the dust of the earth. We get, we get, we get an understanding of, of man's disobedience and his transgressions. From that, Moses was able to produce the, the first five books of the Bible. But in our, in our time, in our time, you know, I gave, I gave a challenge to the, the men in this ministry. I said that, 
You need to show the goodness of the Lord to your children. You need to demonstrate the goodness of the Lord, that, that your children, that they would be better able to understand a father's care and his concern for, for, for them based on how you, how you express with your words and how you demonstrate with your deeds, your care, your carefulness, and your concern for them. Don't, don't be a, a hindrance to them having a relationship with the Lord. Don't, don't be unfaithful in, in what you promise to your family. Don't be, don't be sometimey and wishy-washy. Don't be double-minded and unstable in your commitments to your home. Because just, just as the Lord was able to show Moses his past glories, your children will see the glory of the Lord in you. They will see your faithfulness and your sacrifice that you make for your family. And that's where they're going to have their first basis for how to trust. For what it means to have unconditional love. So don't, don't be that hindrance to your family. We said that the Lord, he, he demonstrated the kingdom of, of God, the kingdom of heaven in the context of the current times that in spite of your, your situations, in spite of what the world may have assigned you as a place in life, that the king calls you blessed. He went on to, to Jesus goes on to describe the kingdom of heaven as it relates to the promises that have been given before. And you, you can never neglect in all of your, your getting. Don't, don't neglect what the Lord has said before. Don't, don't, don't say that, well, this is a, a new revelation so I can just forget about all the things that came before. No, everything is built line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. That's how you get your understanding. But because the Word of God is true, it stands whole. Truth added to truth is true. Anything that's built upon that foundation, if it's built in truth, it will stand. So the, Jesus says that, that he didn't come to destroy the law, but he was actually the, the fulfillment of it. And fulfilling the law that we would that we would love. That we would love. He said that he had a standard of righteousness that far exceeded the righteousness of the religious leaders. That his standard of righteousness did not make allowances and provisions for you to become comfortable with your sin. It didn't give you excuses and rationalizations for why you could only do so much. No, he says that he came to set a standard that was far above the standard that was set by the religious leaders. And then he began to talk to the disciples more intimately. He said that, the, your, that, the, that their relationship to the kingdom of heaven was as, a children, was as children to their heavenly father. And we talked about how he, 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 he showed... Three easy steps. One, two, three. Three easy steps 
three easy ways, three actions that could be taken in order to become more vulnerable and more open to your Heavenly Father. If it feels like you like there's just a, a, a distance, like there's a, a boundary, like you, you, you're trying to, to hear, but you're just not able to, He gives us the answer. He says it's, you're going to become open and more vulnerable to the Father in the giving, in your giving. As, as you give with the correct intention, not to be seen, but out of the thankfulness in your heart, out of honor and reverence to the Lord, that you're going you're gonna to tear down those walls. You're going to expose that heart. I love the analogy. You're going you're to break up that ground to receive the seed of the Word of God. He says, you're going you're gonna, to, in your, in your prayers, as you begin to, to not pray to be seen and not pray to be considered a religious or spiritual person, but as you begin to pray in secret, the Lord will give you instructions. He'll give you counsels. As you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. As you say, Lord, as I have forgiven others, Lord, you forgive me. That then you'll see each day, each day, your needs are being met. And lastly, he says that it, and, and, and as children to a heavenly father to become open, to become vulnerable, you're going to have to fast the fast unto the Lord. And I use that term, fasting a fast unto the Lord. What it means is that you're going to have to put away those things in your flesh in order to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, those things in the spirit. You're going to have to deny yourself to be able to hear what it is that the Lord is asking. To hear what the Lord is saying. And then he begins to talk about a father's concern and his care for his children. Now listen, we're just going to get right into it. I want to read some scriptures to you all tonight, if you don't mind. We're going we're gonna to press through all the way through the end of chapter 6. And we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to do it in order. Jesus begins to explain to the disciples what it means to have treasures in heaven. What it means to, to lay up a reserve, to, to make preparations, to have a, a store. He begins to tell them what it means to, to serve wholeheartedly without reserve. Without reserve to place your trust in the Lord. He says everything that, that, that you may have according to the flesh, any accomplishments that you may have had, any, any glory that, that, that people may have, have said about you, that you would consider it all as lost, just for the opportunity to serve the Lord today. Too often we forget that. 
We forget that. We get so caught up in, in where we were in the year 2000. We get so caught up in, I remember it was 1990 when I gave my life to the Lord. And, and that, that, was, that was a wonderful time. But we, I, can't, I can't get stuck on January of 1990. The Lord, He deserves glory today. And he talks about how to make your eye single. It says that the, 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 the light of the body is the eye. I'm in Matthew 6 and 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. We said that the, the light it represents a lamp or a focus. And that, is, that the light is used to navigate in dark places. Earlier, Jesus said that we are the light of the world, that we are supposed to be the focus, that we are supposed to be the ones to help the world navigate through dark places. That when it seems like science conflicts itself, when it seems as though arguments are on top of arguments and people are turned one against their brothers, that they should be able to look to those that trust and believe in the Lord to be the light, to help them to navigate and to find the way to righteousness. Isaiah 42 says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and will give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Isaiah 42 and 16, it says, And I will bring the blind by the way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. The Lord is saying, listen, he, he, it's almost as though he had read the newspapers of today. He said the world is not going to even know which way to go. They're going to be lost in their own reasonings. But that he was giving the world, he was giving us to the world. To make darkness light before them. And to make crooked things straight. The Lord cautions. He says that, that if, if your eye is not single. Then you're full of darkness. But if you who were supposed to be the light. If you are full of darkness. How great is that darkness? What light does the world have? What light does the world have? So that the, the eye that is single, the eye that is focused, it's, it's full of light. In order to make your eye single, we talked about your purpose. Your purpose, it powers your works of righteousness. We said that your, your focus, it can't be diverted by temptations, trials, and the lusts. 
you know, one of the things that I said is the way that you do anything is the way that you do everything. And I want you all to understand that. The, it, when, I, when I say that, what I mean is, is that you have to practice excellence in everything that you do. It needs to become a learned behavior. Look, look at everything that pertains to you, anything that is, that, that is your responsibility, and say, how, how can I make this excellent? How can I be excellent in this area? I, I, I use the example of, of just cooking. A very, a very simple thing. A very simple thing. Our children's ministry is a children's ministry of excellence. You know what we're looking for? We want children to, to desire strongly. Can I say lust after? We want them to be hungry, to be back there, and to fellowship in a children's ministry area. We want them to demand their parents, to bug their parents. It says, I want to be in the place where we are having all of the fun. Because we're teaching them that, that God is an awesome God. We're teaching them that God is an awesome God. And so everything that we do back there, we want, we want the children to come back and we want their eyes to just open up wide. We want them to see superheroes and, and, and Lego castles. And we want them to see, you know, things that, that they could only... We want them to see animals and, and, and candy machines and just whatever, whatever would make a child just say, wow. Because we are on purpose in the Children's Ministry of Exodus. We want that same wow, that same awe for them to associate that with the Lord says, oh, I know the place where my eyes opened up and I could barely contain the grin on my face. It was in that place. It was in that place. I need to get to that place. The way that you do anything is the way that you do everything. Practice excellence in all that you do. And even the smallest things. I can't, I can't tell you what's excellent for you. For you, excellent might just be getting up in the morning, brushing your teeth and washing your face. Be excellent at that. For you, excellent may be putting on that certain outfit or having that suit that lays just right. Be excellent at that. Why is that? Because the way that you do anything is the way that you do everything. It, 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 it conveys over. It shows in everything that you do. It shows in everything that you do. Our pastor is an excellent teacher. And it, it shows in, in, in even how she gives assignments to the ministers. It shows in how she delegates tasks to different department heads. It shows in how she calls on certain people to do certain things. And, and, and you may think, well, that person is not in that position or that person is not over this, but you know what? 
the way you do anything is the way you do everything. She, she sees excellence. There, there's a, a, a terminology. That it says that, and I'm, I know I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, Brother Everhart is the, is the uncoolest person you'll ever know. But the, I think the term is, is that real recognizes real. And just know that, that just like real recognizes real. Then our pastor, she sees excellence. You know, the world also sees your light. They, they see when you take half steps. They see when you cut corners. You know, I'm in my car and my son is looking at the speedometer. He's saying, Dad, the speed limit is 45. You're always being watched. Why? Because you are a light that's set on the hill. You can't be hidden. You're always on display. You know, when I think about excellence, I think about a term that, that a, a minister, dear sister, you know, taught me. I never heard this term before, and it, it still rattles in my head every now and again. It's, it's efficacious. For the children at home, it's spelled E-F-F-I-C-A-C-I-O-U-S. I hope I got that right. It efficacious. And, and the, the, the message was on efficacious grace. And if you want to know what that means, it means that if, if something is efficacious, it, 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 it's sometimes used in relation to things that, that we would consider to be abstract, that we can't really get our hands on. But what it, what it means is that that thing is, is successful in producing a desired or intended result. Efficacious. That is effective. That is effective. The Lord wants us to, to be effective in all that we do. And so he tells us this is the reason why your eye has to be single. Because if you're in darkness, then how, how great is that darkness? And then he gives us very, very specific, very practical instructions on on how to make our eyes single. And it's, it's about how to develop your thought life. It's how to maintain your focus. Listen, if you establish your thoughts, then you establish your words. If you establish your words, you establish your actions. And your actions over time that's your legacy that's your legacy listen your legacy is the impact that your actions have on other people I don't want you to miss that your legacy is not what you intended to do actually your legacy is not what you actually did you know you may think that you were just passing out cookies. But it's the impact 
that that has on someone's life, that's what your legacy is. You may have thought that you were just holding a door or you were just agreeing with a brother or sister in prayer. You know, you all thought that our founding pastor was just coming up here and preaching. But it's not what he did. It's the impact that he had on our lives. You know, some people, they get hung up with, with, with pastors and, and, and pastors' work because they just don't understand. They, all that they can see is what they can see. But they don't realize the impact that the pastor has on the lives of the members. You know, I saw on Sunday the, those that, that came in and, and desired and, and, and longed for and hungered the fellowship and, and hungered for the word. I didn't see a whole lot of people tipping out, growing impatient because the service was long. And I know it was long. Why? Because you hadn't been here in a year and a half. It, it takes training to sit in your seat. And then they said the children's ministry was closed. And you know, back in the old days, that would have been an excuse for you to go home. But you, 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 you sat here with your children. You soothed them as they sat through a service. They hadn't, they hadn't sat still for an hour and a half since the last Teenage Ninja Mutant movie. But to sit, for them to sit still and to listen and to hear. You know, it's, it's not, it's not, what I, what I want you to get is that your legacy is not so much of what you actually did. It does matter what you did. It does matter what you do. But what's even more important is the impact that it has on people's lives. And what that is, is that that is because when you when you do it, if you if you do it with humility, if you do it with meekness, it's as though as your hands are on the work, as though there's a another hand on top of yours. It's as though as you are working that something else is also at work. And while you are touching the natural, the Holy Spirit is touching the supernatural. While you're touching this corruptible, the Spirit of God is, is touching that incorruptible and is changing the hearts of men. So we're going we're gonna to look at how do you, first you have to establish your thoughts. Because if you don't establish your thoughts, you'll never get the words right. If you, if you can't get the words right, you won't get the actions. And if there are no actions, there, there'll be no legacy. There'll be no impact. So go to Matthew chapter 6. 
verse 24, Matthew 6 and 24, it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That term mammon is, is, is translated as, as money. It's also translated as, as the things of this world. Verse 25, it says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? He's saying in order to, to establish your thoughts, he says, take no thought. In some versions, that, that phrase, take no thought, it says, don't, don't be anxious. Don't, don't be concerned. It doesn't say not to think about. But what it says is, don't put yourself in a place where you have a care and a concern about which you have no power over. About that which is beyond this time, that which is beyond your season, that which will, will be addressed, but not right now, that which will be said, but maybe not by you. He says, take no thought. And I love the way that, that, he, uh, that he breaks it down. First, he talks about your life. And in talking about your life, he talks about the, the, the food that you're eating and you're drinking, your sustenance. And then he goes on, he says, don't, don't take any thought for your body. And you would think those would be the same, but, but I, 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 see a, I, see a, I see some area for, for room. You know, your life is your life, but your body, that's, that's, that's where you live. That's the car you drive. That's the, the schools that you want your children to go to. That's, that's not that you have a job, but the kind of job that you have. You know, it used to be that we're, we're back in the college days, we were just happy to have a meal. Now we're concerned about what, what, is, what, what kind of meal is it? What kind of, what kind of hot dog is that? Is that all beef or is that some mixture or some chicken and some other stuff mixed in there. I don't, some of you all, is that beef? It's not turkey? You know, it's, it used to be you just were happy to have. But now you're concerned about, well, let's look at some of the other aspects of it, at the quality. And he, he says, don't, don't be anxious about these things. I'm going to give you all four things, very quickly, four things that you must establish in your thoughts. If you're taking notes, I'm just going to give you four things. In each of these items, I'm going to start it with establish in your thoughts. The first thing is that you have to establish in your thoughts that your mind is set after the pattern of the kingdom. Jesus begins teaching about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. 
Because he wants the people to understand that, that the kingdom is real. You have to change your thinking from a scarcity mindset to a kingdom mindset. A scarcity mindset, a scarcity mindset, what is that? A scarcity mindset operates based on fear. It, it, it goes to work because it's afraid to get fired. It stays with that woman because it's afraid that there's nobody else out there. It keeps those friendships that are as an anchor on their soul because it's afraid that it won't fit in anyplace else. The scarcity mindset, it operates based on fear. It also operates based on self-preservation. It says, I can't get too close to the edge because I might just fall. And if I fall, will there be any to catch me? Never mind that the scripture says, and even Satan knows, that he has angels with charge over you. The, the, the self-preservation mindset says that, that I can't try too hard because what if I fail? And if I try really hard and I fail, then what does that mean about me? If I, if I, if I just try just hard enough and it doesn't work out, I can always say, well, you know, I wasn't really trying that hard. The self-preservation mindset, it says that I can't commit all the way. I can commit some of the way, but I can't commit all the way. Because what if? What if? What if? The kingdom mindset, it operates on faith. It operates based on trust and dependence on God. The kingdom mindset says that, Lord, if you tell me to go, I'll go. It doesn't matter that you're leading me to a place where I've not been before. Because, Lord, you're everywhere. And if you're with me, you are all I need. The kingdom mindset says, look, I won't be unequally yoked. I don't care if I'm 25, if I'm 35, if I'm 45. I'm not going to allow myself to be bound up into that which will distract and take away from the kingdom of God. The kingdom mindset says, look, I don't care what you say about me. In fact, say what you want about me. Keep on talking about me because you know what? I'm on display. I am going to shine even brighter. You call me what you want to call me. You say what you want to say about me. 
Because this life that I live is not mine, but I live unto Christ. In the kingdom mindset, God is the foundation. His, his existence, His preeminence is the foundation. I may not know anything else. Listen, I can't debate with the physicists and I can't debate with the policymakers, but I know that God is God. And that's the basis for all of my decisions. And it's built on trust. Every step by step, I'm taking because I trust in the Lord. Because I believe His Word is true. Listen, if I die because I, I trust in the Lord, then I'll see Him face to face. Because I will not live not trusting in the Lord. I think it was David that said that he would rather wait at the, the door outside the tent of the Lord than to dwell in comfort and in luxury with the wicked. I believe it was, it, was, it was Moses that said that he would rather be classified and lumped in with those Hebrew people, those strange folks, than to be called Pharaoh's son. That's the kingdom mindset. The kingdom mindset, it operates based on self-sacrifice. It is eager. It's excited. In the, in the kingdom, we are excited to put away our comfort so that the body can be supplied. It, it gives us great joy, great joy to be in an uncomfortable position just so the body can have all that it needs. We don't do it grudgingly. We don't do it because there's some, 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 some great catastrophe that's happened. No, we, we do it all the time because we're on purpose, because we are focused. That's the kingdom mindset. If you want to see examples of the kingdom mindset, just look at Acts chapter 4, 32. You'll find the churches at, at Jerusalem where they... They, they sold all that they had. They sold their lands and, and they, they laid the, the proceeds at the apostles' feet. Listen, they weren't shady about it. They, they, they sold it and they didn't, they didn't keep their finger of control on it. They, 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 they sold it and they said, we just give it up. We, our, any rights that we had to this, we surrender. That the body be supplied. And look at how faithful God is when that church came under great hardship in Jerusalem. Because the broader society rejected them. When that church came under great hardship, God had already prepared churches all around the region. The church at Macedonia in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verses 1 through 4, where it talks about how they gladly, 
gladly gave up their comfort. And in their deep poverty, they made up an offering to send that their brothers in Jerusalem would be eased. Why? Because they, 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 didn't, they didn't say, if, if we give ours, we won't have enough. They said, our Lord is all in all. And we, they gave themselves first to God. And then of their substance they gave, as the Lord gave them strength. Go to Matthew chapter 6. You need to establish in your establishing your thoughts, point number one, that your mind is set after the pattern of the kingdom. So I'm kingdom minded, I'm kingdom minded, I'm kingdom minded. Point number one. Point number two, Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. It says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? The Lord is showing them natural examples. He says, look at the, look at the birds in the air. I know you're concerned about your life, but look at the birds in the air. They don't punch a clock. They don't answer to a supervisor. But they, they, they rise up early. And they are diligent about finding the provision of the Lord. You know, you, you, don't, you don't see too many lazy birds. They're always looking around. Their eyes are always looking around. Even when you see them sitting on the pole, you see them turning their heads. They're, they're, they're scanning they're, they're, they're looking for they're looking for tiny insects that you would not even have noticed, but they'd notice because they know what provision has been made for them. Listen, the, the world there, there, there's we'll, we'll, we'll get into this, we'll get into this. but look at, look at the analogy. The birds are, are diligent. To find the provision that God has made available. Even on those things that have been overlooked by everybody else. In our, in our books, in our textbooks, they're, they're, they're full of story after story after story of, of you know, so-called billionaires. Those that, that, have, been, that, have, that have uncertain riches that, that have picked up on things that other companies had discarded. And had neglected and didn't even consider to be important or had taken for granted. And how they, they, they said, well, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm going to make use of that. So listen, number two, point number two. Establish in your thoughts that God is not working against you. You need to establish in your thoughts that God is not working against you. If you look at the faithfulness of God in natural things, you should have confidence that He will sustain you. If He, will, if he makes provision for the birds, He'll make provision for you. Now, did I say He'll make provision for your laziness? I didn't say He'll make provision for your slothfulness. Those birds are diligent. 
and their eyes are intent upon finding what God has provided. Go to Genesis. We're just going to go back to the beginning. Genesis, we're going to look at chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. Look at verse 21. This is, this is after Noah has left the ark and God is, God is um, making preparations for, for, for Noah and his family to repopulate the earth. And they offer up an offering to the Lord. And in verse 21, Genesis 8 and 21, it says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done. While the earth remaineth, Seed time and harvest, and cold and wheat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. And I love that. The Lord, he says in his heart, he doesn't say because man is so good. He doesn't say because man has sought my face. He says, I, I, know, I, know, I know man's heart. So God... He, he puts a, he leaves a blessing on in the earth. In Genesis 8, it talks about God made systems. Listen, I know we, we, we have a lot of press. We have a lot of discussion, a lot of coverage about man made systems, about biases and ceilings and limitations. But I'm talking about God, a God-made system. Listen, when God sets it in place, it's in place. When God says it is, it is. It doesn't matter if it's 115 degrees now in Texas. When God says it is that there'll be winter, there'll be winter. God has set a system in place in the earth for you to be fruitful. He has put this system in place for you to be able to multiply. And he's put it in place for you to be able to replenish. God has set the earth in place. That if you are diligent, in your diligence you'll be rewarded. That if you are focused and looking for the provision that God has made, that you'll find it. I remember when I was a young man and I had a decision to make. I was graduating from college and many of my classmates, they, they were interviewing all over the country. It was, a, it was, you know, because of the whatever, people were coming in from every place and, and uh, there were just different companies and opportunities that, that, that you had to, uh, to interview and talk to different companies from many different areas. And, I, you know, of course, I, I got some free plane tickets. You know, Brother Everhart, you know, I was young. But in my, in my heart, I had purpose that, that God had a design 
and he had a plan for me in this city. And although I did not have the job, although I did not have the opportunity in this city that, that, was, that was right waiting for me as soon as I graduated, I said, you know what? The Lord takes care of the birds. He'll take care of me. And so I, I started turning down airplane tickets. I started turning down trips. I said, God, if you, if you won't take care of me here, then I can't be taken care of. If you cannot establish me in this place, then I can't be established. And so I purposed in my heart that God would establish me here in this area. And as it should happen, when I made that decision, I began to have opportunities to talk with and I even work with some companies. These are companies that are not even based in this area, but they, they came to this area. And it, 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 was, it was truly amazing. If, if, if you look how God does it, even though if, if you don't go chasing after all those things, the Lord will see that you have what it is that you need. The Lord will see to it that you have what you need. And as I began to, to witness the goodness of the Lord, I began to see that, wait a second, this, this is not just happening for me. Look, God is bringing in people from, from Korea. He's bringing in from Japan. These people coming in from California. They can't even stay in California anymore. In my home, my home state of Ohio, they're bringing in people from Ohio. Just, just companies and opportunities were coming. And it seemed like they all wanted to come to Austin. Listen, God has, God has established his systems on the, on the earth. It's not about you trying to chase where the next opportunity is. Some people say, well, the opportunity is in, is in Atlanta, or the opportunity is where they're building these new space stations, or the opportunities are where the financial centers are. God will be God where he will be God. You don't have to chase after opportunity. You just have to be faithful to what God has called you to. Listen, we're going to press on Matthew chapter 6. This is point number 3. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 28. It says, And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Point number three. You need to establish in your thoughts. Establish in your thoughts. That's why I love that definition of efficacious. Establishing your thoughts, the relevance, the effectiveness, and the adequacy of your faith in Christ. You need to establish in your thoughts the relevance that, yes, it, it does apply to this situation. Listen, time will not permit me to go into 
how when when I wasn't certain about the direction of my marriage, how the Lord, by having me in this city, led me to this church. And he led me out of a church where people were getting divorced. It led me into a church where there were faithful commitments and where people valued their unions. Establishing your thoughts, the relevance. Listen, establish the effectiveness. The effectiveness that that what, what God said that he will perform. And adequacy. Yes, you and God are more, are more than enough of your faith in Christ. There were many times when my wife and I, we would, we would do this thing where we, we would go and buy frozen vegetables. Here I, I, I have a, a, a chemical engineering degree from one of the top universities in the country. But I'm going and I'm buying frozen vegetables and I would put cheese on them. And I would pack that in a, in a little lunch box and I would take that for the overnight shift at the factory because that's the job that I had because that's, the, that's where God had me in the city where he wanted me to be. And I had to establish him. I had to know that God, that you and me is all that I need. That you're all that I need. That listen, you, you, you're more than adequate. You're more than adequate. You are sufficient. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For therein, Romans 1 and 16, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by their faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Listen, it's okay when you think you could be, you know, supported or supplemented by faith. When you think that faith would be an add-on, you know, it's, it's all right for you to walk out there. But you just get to the point where you have to live by your faith. You get to the point where you need to live by your faith. Where your family is talking about you, where, where, where the people in your house are looking at you strange. Because you believe what God told you. You get to the point where you have to live by your faith. Establishing your thoughts. That, that your faith in Christ is relevant, it's effective, and it's, it's, it's adequate. It's more than adequate. Glory to God. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 31, it says... Therefore, because of all of this, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Don't even think about those things. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth 
that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Point number four. You need to establish in your thoughts that provision that you have what it is that you need to do what God has called you to do. Establish in your thoughts that you have what you need to do what God has called you to do. If it's people, if it's resources, if it's skills, you have what you need to do what God has called you to do. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says that chapter, verse 4 says that no man that war, no man that goes to war entangles himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. Listen, no, 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 no soldier goes to war with their own arms, in their own clothes. No, everything that they need, the shoes on their feet, the ammunition in their guns, it's all provided to them by whoever sent them there. It says, no, no, no man that goes to war, they don't get entangled with, they don't get caught up with the affairs of this life. They don't get caught up with being anxious in the cares of this life. Because they know that everything that they need to accomplish the objective has been given to them. Any, any maps of the terrain has been given to them. If there's not a map to the terrain, they've already sent out a scout ahead. If, 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 if they only have one meal in their pack, they know that, they're, that behind the lines maybe five kilometers away, that there's a, there's a meal train back there that has the other meals in supply. They, they're not even concerned about all the mundane worries and cares because they know that they've been sent and, what, and, and the task that they have been sent, that they have what they need to accomplish the objective. Last verse, Matthew 6 and 34, it says, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient into the day is the evil thereof. Listen, today, today is a gift from God. Today is a gift from God. That's why we've been teaching this is because we want you to understand that it's not about looking for a more favorable time. It's not about looking for other conditions to manifest themselves. That today is the day when you can do what God has called you to do. Today is the day when you can do what God has called you to do. I love in the, I love in the, uh, in the prayer it says that, you know, give us this day. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us today what we need. 
Give us today, Lord, what we need. If you'll indulge me, go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7. It says, Two things have I required of thee. Deny me, deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lord, just give me what I need today. Just give me what I need to do your will. Just give me the knowledge that I need to walk in your purpose. I don't need to understand what's going to happen next month. I don't even need to understand what's going to happen next year. Lord, just let me to walk the walk that you've called me to walk right now. Because I need to, I need to show that lamp. I need to shine that lamp. Verse 9, it says, Lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal. And take the name of my God in vain. Listen, God is showing, God is showing us day by day His will and His desire. As you all are listening during during your, your, your fast this week, listen to what God is saying. He's not, he's not giving you plans for 20 years from now. He's showing you what it is that you need for today. He's saying that if you would be diligent, if you would rise up, if you would look and focus, you would see the provision that I've made. You would see that which I have laid out. Jesus said the, the, the fields are already white. We don't have to wait for another season. The harvest time is already now. Pray that the Lord sends laborers out into the harvest. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.